On today's episode of Locked On Utes, Coach Witt talks to the media and has some high praise for DTR, as well as what does the tape tell us from the Oregon State game? We're talk about it on today's show. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On YouTube your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube, where we are at the recording of this podcast, four subscribers away from 450. So I appreciate all of you guys who have made us your home and first listen every day. Today's episode of Locked On Utes is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security with fast pro- protect technology exclusive from Simply Safe. 24-7 monitoring agents capture evidence to accurately verify a threat for faster police response. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more. That's locked on college and head over to Simply Safe to find that. But Hello, everyone. My name is JT Wistersill, and excited today to be joined, as he does every week, by the former host of this podcast, Brian Brown, as well as writer for UteZone.com. And Brian, we got to hear from Coach Whittingham talking about the game. And look, I mean, he heaped a lot of praise. Whenever you win, there's always he's not, not a lot of negative things to really criticize. And he got into a little bit about the run game, and we're going to talk about that a little later. But I thought it was interesting how when Coach Witt was kind of active, asked about, hey, since you've played guys like Anthony Richardson and you've prepared for an Emory Jones, I mean, ASU really, whether that's just Emory Jones wanting to prove like he's trying to say he is a pocket quarterback or just the offense really utilizing him as a runner. He's not someone who runs really, but when you're preparing for him, you're still preparing for a running quarterback. So you've met Utah is now prepared for two guys who are really active capable and successful at running the football. And I think it'll help him versus DTR who had two of the best running highlights you're going to see on the entire season from a quarterback in terms of his hurdle, which was one of the best college football hurdles I've ever seen. And as well as his basically Lamar Jackson esque play when he stopped on a dime and two guys crashed into each other. But this is a DTR that look, Utah football has beat up a lot in the past. And I think it's going to be a fun challenge for them going to Pasadena once again. And this time DTR playing some really good football coming off a strong game. And I think it makes sense that coach Winningham is talking about him a little bit. We, you know, always want to hype guys a little bit up as well, kind of make sure your defense understands the challenge. And I, I think it's going to be fun for this team to take on DTR as well. And he presents a fun challenge for him. He does, and I think it's interesting because you know I I quote tweeted that highlight and said this is you know exactly this is the essence of DTR and at any point in time you can be the best player on the field no matter what field it's on That's and true. it's always fascinating to me the fan responses right and it, the immediate response is like well but he doesn't do it every play blah 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 and and yeah that's the issue with athletic quarterbacks with um guys who have that elite talent physically is that they're learning how to control it nuance has never had to be a part of their games right you know a player like bryson barnes it's all about the intangibles it's all about learning how to put touch on a throw right it's all about being varied for an athlete like dtr it's very rare that he ever walks into a situation where he's not the greatest athlete out there what's really become evident about him is he started to buy into what chip kelly has preached and i think some of it is a warning. You know, we talk about coaches anytime they're at a podium, they're very rarely talking to fans, right? Mm-hmm. And so some of this is a warning to his defense saying, hey, look, you know, you've played Anthony Richardson, you've played Emory Jones, DTR is a cut above, and he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. I think the other part of it, too, is that DTR has a better running back and a better running game to complement his game as a quarterback with Charbonnet and that UCLA offensive line. 
Yeah, Charbonnet had a fantastic game as well. I think it was just some of the shine of that was taken because of how spectacular those DTR highlights were. And you're right, he's a very different runner as well, say then, especially a guy like Anthony Richardson. Richardson, a very strong guy, I think, capable of once you get hands on on him, Richardson is better at breaking those kind of tackles versus DTR is better at not even allowing you to get a hand on him because he is so shifty in the open field. And one thing that's going to be fun as well is to see how this Utah defensive line gets into the backfield and if they are able to track down DTR. And, you know, a lot of people were, I think, a little bit disappointed in the lack of sack production versus Oregon State. But when you look at that offensive line, I mean, that's a really good Beavers offensive line. We a lot of people talk about like how many offensive linemen a unit returns returning five starters is a good thing but returning five starters is also a good thing when they're genuinely really good a lot of guys it's like oh this guy's back but it's like yeah he wasn't very good last year that's not the case with oregon state they were really yeah. good up front and it's why utah a lot of the time struggled to get pressure with just four it is and, and you can look at the advanced stats from football outsiders where they are ranked top 10 across the board in just about everything when it comes to bass protection utah's got another tough one with ucla as i'm looking at it right now they're top five in average line yards that's a good indicator of how many yards you can get no matter who the running back is right 3.21 so if that line is generating 3.21 yards just right off the bat that's pretty impressive right and and so you've seen utah the last couple of weeks experiment a little bit more with a five down line look for a uh, look, um, you know, trying to get guys like Mickey Sungutaranga, you know, guys who can create a matchup issue because they are big and strong, but Mickey's so much quicker than the average guard. And he has those long arms and you saw it at times he played really well um, and did a good job. And it did take Utah some time to adjust. I'm going to be honest. Like it, some of that was just Modi Abate coming back in. You know, huh. He is still learning how to play fit football, meaning how to play within a system where you have to be disciplined with your eyes. And you saw him get much better in the second half. So I'm less worried about it in terms of what I saw initially. But Utah does have an absolutely uh, scary, I guess would be one way to put it, proposition since we're in, you know, spooky season here in October <laughs> uh, with that UCL offensive line. Again, top five in average line yards. Uh, top five in stuff rate, meaning they don't get stuffed a whole lot when they're going for it. So so if you're watching UCLA and, and they go for it on fourth down, they convert and people get upset and throw their hands up like, OK, well, the stats told us that the odds are is that they're going to convert on that. So there are those kinds of things to look for and watch for. But I think the difference is, is that what Utah is able to do with the front seven versus now what they have going with Clark Phillips. And being able to play both of those positions, both the outside and the nickel corner, that's a much scarier proposition if I'm an offense. I love that you brought up Diabate as well, because you look at it, he looks six of his tackles were four tackles, excuse me, had six tackles, four of those were tackled for loss. And that is perfectly what you kind of get out of his game is he's so aggressive when he sees ball, he's going after ball. Utah has aggressive linebackers in general, but guys like Karene Reed and Lander are a little more patient than Diabate. And sometimes that can be really effective. Hence some of the red zone plays he's able to make where he does see the ball, able to shoot the gap, show off that athleticism and make the tackle on the backfield. But then there's also plays like that reverse on the second drive of the game where he sees a gap, overshoots it so far that he can't is in no position to get back for the reverse and if he had been a little more patient he's athletic enough where he might have had a chance to actually come over and make the stop on that play 100 percent, and a lot of it is just eye discipline right you're, you're teaching guys to stay steady with your eyes and then listen you know i'm i'm the worst when it comes to it like anytime i see a piece of brisket or a you know a slice <laughs> of <laughs> slice of uh you know roasted turkey or whatever it is like my eyes are drawn to immediately uh you know big chunk of pie tough to stay disciplined right and you have to look at it from that perspective that you're always fighting against those natural urges when you're out there playing and so 
it does take some time for that to become more natural, for that to become more rhythmic. And I think the good thing is that you're seeing that Mo's starting to put his stamp on things and in the ways that he can do it using that athleticism like you talked about. Now it's about channeling it into the system. I think anytime you've got a guy who's super athletic <clears throat> that maybe kind of fights against what Utah does, now all you have to do is point it at Clark Phillips, right? And just say, not a lot of argument to be had with this guy who was a you know, four-star cornerback and is now showing out to be one of the best cornerbacks in the country. Uh, not a lot of guys go out and put a three-pick three, three pick game together. And I think that the stunning part about it, not just three picks, one was a return for a touchdown, but that last interception was just like... Tremendous. It's, it's him standing in the arena saying, you know, are you not entertained? You know, is this not why you are here? So uh, shout out to the uh, the California version of the Spaniard in, in Clark Phillips. I said this on yesterday's show too, but like when the, when Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper are on their NFL draft coverage in the March, April, they're going to say when Clark Phillips comes up, go watch the Oregon State game because he was absolutely dominant. And that's exactly what he does. He just reads quarterbacks and receivers so well, able to undercut so many of those routes. And even that first one, like just the strength, he doesn't look like the strongest guy. He's only 5'9", I believe, and able to jump up top, rip the ball away from receivers. And as you mentioned, that last one, just the ability to adjust the ball in air is so fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he is he is kind of like a muscle hamster in, in an essence, right? Like he doesn't have the the length or the size or the imposing you know frame like as a Maya Vaughn for one for one example. But he uh, you know is packed muscle onto every single you know space on his bo- his body, and 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 you know it can be deceptive when he's out there because it, he doesn't you know like you say over overwhelm you like say maybe a mo diabate does you know with his frame but it's 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 the essence of clark phillips he maximizes every single ounce of his game and ounce of his ability and he's done it ever since he walked on campus you know i'll never forget the very first spring that i was up there watching him and every single rep was against one of the best wide receivers on the team and i think you know it's one of those things where we watch the game and it looks so different from what we expected it to be. But really that's what you want is you want those different looks when teams come at you in in different manners and try to stop your strengths. You want to be able to bounce and, and, and pivot and, and win in different, differentiating ways. And you didn't just win. Like they blew it out. Like this is a team that was it 17, 14, you know, the week before against USC for for Oregon state. And it's not like they came in and just, quit like this was a team that kept going and kept fighting and stayed in the fight even after uh, uh chance no one went out with an, uh, an an injury and yeah still moved the ball yeah and, and utah was great it just didn't look like utah normally does because finally we saw this defense be a lot more opportunistic with the turnovers and I think we have we saw Utah get behind a couple times on first down where they're only going for one yard. And we're going to talk about why that is in just a second. But first, I want to tell you guys a little bit more about Simply Safe. So Simply Safe, guys, the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their homes. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. And when you guys get Simply Safe, you know you are protected with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Here's why I love Simply Safe they have 24 7 professional monitoring. Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch the police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home 
built-in protection with advanced sensors in every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Simply Safe always has your guys' back in case any emergency pops up. Simply Safe is a great resource to have for you guys and can help you feel safe at your home. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com use the slash locked on college. So that's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college. The L and locked on, the O and on, and the C in college are all capitalized in that. And once again, one word, locked on college. To learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. One thing that was not really safe this week against Oregon State were Utah running backs. They were met very quickly at the line, and it's the reason why when coming out of this game, if you had actually told me that Utah's leading rushers would be Cam Rising and Jalen Dixon, I would have been, or even I'll say, if Cam leads you in rushing, it's not the end of the world. But like Jalen Dixon being second on the team with only one carry, I would have been like, oh, Utah might have lost that game then. But they were able to win because the games by Devon as well as Cam was sensational. But when talking about the ground game with the running backs, you get Makai Bernard had six for 19 Glover had six for 18 and Thomas had six for 13 and talking about why that is coach Whittingham talked about and struggles reaching the second level. And that's what I saw a lot of on tape as well. I think you're seeing whether it is guys like Paul Miley, really the interior of this offensive line, because those are the guys you're really asking to get to that second level on those zone plays a lot of the time. So it is guys like Keaton bills, Michael Mokofisi, who they're, they're trying to reach second level and it's credit to Oregon state's linebackers as well. It's a very, those are very good linebackers too. We're able to get past, but still opportunities for the Utes to make plays and whether it's them not staying with, blocks long enough or just having trouble getting their hands on and reaching those guys they're just struggling to do it right now a little bit yeah and it's it's one of those things that we haven't seen a ton of struggle maybe uh up until this point i think there's two things that you need to credit one is that linebacking core from oregon state and and coach whittingham even mentioned it finally in the in the press conference and i will give him credit because he started into his post-game interview with bill riley and was uh, kind of getting into it a little bit. And then he stopped himself and said, I'm always going to be nitpicky. That's a really good defensive front from Oregon State. And there's no lies to detect it in that one. Uh, you know, I think Omar Spates is a star um, and he was great. And, and I think some of that is, um, you know, I, I think there was a there's a play in the first quarter that stands out to me. Right. And and one it's uh, no one is about to scramble. And Karene Reed reads it and he goes up against the blocker. Uh, and he has to pick a side the running back. Right? Yeah. I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Nolan goes the opposite side because he reads his block and, and that's the benefit of having, you know, that, that shield or that ability, you know, as, as a linebacker is you can pick the hole when you're having to force, you know, choose between two holes. Sometimes it, that forced indecision, right. You know, that's a really great place to be. And if you're an offense and Utah, wasn't able to do that, you know, and I think some of the credit goes to that Oregon State defensive line. Uh, some of it is just, you know, guys are learning still. Michael Mokofisi starting in what his fifth, sixth game of the year, you know, I, I, I guess starting. Yeah. You know, he's played in a half played against yes. Colorado last year, and that was about it. And, and <clears throat> you know, Paul Miley, same thing. Like he's he hasn't even started a full season yet. So, so the tower guys tackle. Yeah, and and I, I still don't really love that move, to be honest with you, JT. You know, Satawa, like I get what you're trying to do in, in terms of, you know, your five best really are Keaton Bills, Paul Miley, Michael Mokofisi, Satawa, 
and and Braden, but you know, I, I've seen some things from that second unit that like I have to wonder, you know, like if Falcon Falcon Kamatule isn't maybe pushing some of that a little bit in terms of trying to mix things up, but you don't want to rotate your offensive linemen, especially for a group that's still this is a hard one because Utah fans don't ever want to hear the truth. Like this is a group that's still gelling and it's always going to be like that. That's yep. part of offensive line play. And that's the hard part about it. You know, um, we talked about Oregon state returning all five starters and all five starters are good. And those interior three, like those, those three guys are going to be day one, day two, day three draft picks in the NFL when they all come out. And so, We'll watch next year, and Oregon State's going to be in big trouble because they're going to be missing some really great mm-hmm. offensive linemen. Um, but the good news is, is that you get this game against Oregon State that gives you a lot more to work on this week as you go against UCLA. And you make such a good point when we talk about the unit gelling as well. It's not like Keaton Bills is making all these mistakes. It's not like Michael Mokafisi. It's not like Paul Miley is. not like Satale is. It's individual moments where four of the guys are doing their job, and then one guy isn't able to get his block down. And that's the thing. And that's where if you do swap a guy out, like you said, maybe it does make you better in the long run. I mean, we saw how good Bam Olesen did a good job stepping up last year, but obviously injuries ended up forcing that move for the Utes in the end. Like, it is just a difficult thing to handle. It's going to be interesting to see how this team does decide to play it as well because it, the continuity amongst an offensive line is so important and i'll even mention one other thing about just this oregon state team we were told a lot especially by just people and some of the media stuff it really seemed like the weakness of this oregon state team was in the front seven because it seemed like they're really good on the back seven and i don't know if it was just the way they played but like you said man those linebackers i mean coach Wood even said those are all pac 12 guys the defensive linemen did a really good job for the beavers as well it just this is a really good beavers team i think and the secondary is really good too. give credit to devon Bailey for making a number of plays on the outside and you know jalen dixon won his big first rep to the outside to get a touchdown as well so it, it really does feel like it was a lot of in a lot of instances just how good this oregon state team is is more so than oh utah is poor in this area yeah and i think a lot of what the media was selling you in terms of this front seven isn't good was was without depth right Mm -hmm. it's it's not the problem that they're not good they're just not consistent you know and there are guys on that front seven that that play great and have great plays and then the very next time they let something big happen and you saw them be a little bit more consistent uh but you know i yeah, they limited Utah to rushing the way that Utah normal rush normally rushes the football. Uh, I don't know about you, JT, but 42 points allowed is a big problem um, yes. if I'm a team. And we can argue about the fact that Utah had to get it off of turnovers, but had to, right? Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is that offense was still clicking for Utah um, for the most part, and, and Oregon's defense never stopped. Utah was perfect in the red zone. Kyle Whittingham made sure to make a point of that at the very opening of his press conference, and and – that's just been an issue. struggled against against Arizona State. Yeah. So it's just like some of this, you know, I, I I get the need to overreact and be nitpicky, right? Because this is a fan base that has listened and hung on every single word that Kyle Whittingham said for what 18 years now, however long he's been in charge. I, I keep losing track of that stat because it's been so long. Uh majority of my adult uh, adult life, but um, the bottom line is that, you know, Utah is improving in various areas and, and teams are going to try and take things away more and more to try and make them one dimensional. And, and the, 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 the beauty of it is Utah is finding ways to win on the fly. And I think sometimes we don't give them enough credit for that. Like, it's really hard to go into a game, have a team try to take away your game plan, and then you just flip the script. But you know, I think even the the Cam Rising touchdown run there in the second quarter is a great example of what's going on. Like they ran that exact same play in the first quarter, and Cam gave up the middle, 
second time he pulls, he's around the corner out out the outside and, and into the end zone for a score. So it doesn't look like we wanted it to look. Yeah. And and that's where the emotional reaction is coming from. But you look at the statistics and, and you know, Utah was pretty good. Mm-hmm. No, they were a number of the, a number of those numbers. Very encouraging for the Utes you talked about as well. It is funny. I think just in some of the numbers as well do hurt the the Utes in terms of look, they were outgained. They had or OSU had more rushing and passing yards, and of course total yards as well. But what matters most is being effective inside the red zone on those critical downs in those big time situations. And you mentioned the improvements from Cam on the first opportunity he had to run in the game. He should have pitched it to the outside from Makai Bernard. That would have been an easy first down if he would have pitched it. Instead, he tried to tuck it to the inside and run. But then you just saw later on in the games he was making the correct read. In on that touchdown run, he could have been like, "Well, I didn't give it last time, and that was the wrong read." And he was like, "No, I, I see this is the right read. Takes it to the outside." Makes a phenomenal play, breaking two tackles for his best run of the season. Honestly, I think so far, just based on the, what he did on the outside. And you mentioned the red zone offense, how effective it was. Utah's red zone defense, also outstanding. And we're going to dive into some of the numbers that they put up in just a second. But first, I want to tell you guys about Built Bar Puffs. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor, ready, delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate all the joys of eating cookie dough with, without the hassle of making it plus it's healthy for you cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping five, 15 grams of protons protein excuse me 15 grams of protein so like all built bars the chocolate cookie dough chunk puffs is have a great flavor it's healthy for you as well so you guys are going to love it whenever whether you need a snack for a workout a late night treat or just need to grab a quick bite built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar ditch the calories fat and sugar grab yourself a built bar go to built.com use promo code locked on 15 that's all caps locked on 15 and get 15 percent off your your order so use promo code locked on 15 make sure you guys head over and get some great stuff from built bar Speaking of great stuff, Utah's red zone defense, absolutely outstanding. OSU was 0 for 5 in the red zone against the Utes in this one in terms of scoring touchdowns. Yes, they had to settle and kick some field goals because they got it down there. But at the end of the day, this is the definition of a bend-don't-break game. Utah did such a great job, whether it was guys like I saw Junior Tafuna on some of those drafts. He would get pushed back a little bit and can't break off. And then it comes in the red zone, boom, throwing the guys out of the way, making a plays. Aliki Vaimahi was the guy who didn't have a tackle versus Arizona State that I wanted to make sure to highlight because he's playing really good football this year. Makes mm-hmm. a huge tackle in the red zone. You brought yep. up Zamaya Vaughn. He made the touchdown saving tackle to get that got yes osu was in the red zone but made the tackle and then the very next play pass breakup in the end zone rj hubert's interception just this defense especially as well as because the very first game obviously the criticism was the run defense and look they got gashed a little bit in the run but at the end of the day the goal of football is to get in the end zone and score points and the utah defense did not allow the beavers to do that they didn't and and look it was you know and i'm gonna call it an outstanding defensive effort and I like you highlighted something that I think was very, very important. You know, there was one play where Smote Peppa got pancaked, right? Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's, listen, number one, that's a big pancake, right? Because yes. <laughs> that's a lot of man. But then you watched him bounce back. And and what I loved about it is like, yeah, you got knocked over one play. The very next play, you step up and you make a tackle. And then a few plays later, you go chase down a running back and fall on top of him and end up being, you know, the real stack. Uh, <laughs> you saw me earlier on the film and my eyes went wide It's because my mic was falling. It's not because I disagreed with JT at all um, in terms of what this defense did. But like 
we've talked about it and you and I especially have talked about this is not going to be a suffocating never cross the 50 never get any yards kind of defense this is going to be the defense where they're opportunistic and they're going to take chances and they're going to try and make plays you know I think uh, the lack of pressure was surprising but that's really what Oregon State is designed to do is, is allow those quarterbacks to sit back there and make plays. And so I think Utah really played to their strength. I think seeing more Zamaya Vaughn was a good thing. I think, you know, uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> I'm not trying to look criticize guys, but uh, you can see the impact of having Clark Phillips sliding in there into the nickel position when Utah needs it has been really positive. And, and you know, again, we talk about I think Kyle Whittingham mentioned it as well. Like when you have athletes like Connor O'Toole and Jonah Ellis and even Van Fillinger who can drop in a coverage and, and who can create that, you know, that uh, well, disguise versus Florida. He dropped yeah. it. Anthony Richardson threw him right to him. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, there's a lot of, yeah. When you got a guy in position to make plays, it's just something that is so valuable. And, and, and you've got a lot of things that you can do with this defense, right? And, and you've got a lot of guys and a lot of personnel that you're trying to get in there and trying to get rotations and you're seeing guys really start to shine um, in different roles. And I think the biggest thing is like RJ Hubert from where he was at against Florida to where he's at now, massive disparity. And, and that's what you love to see. Yeah, when you're I mean looking at Hubert as well, I mean, led this team in tackles, as you mentioned, 12 tackles, nines of those solo. Of course, the huge interception as well that felt like it was just one of those many instances late where you're really starting to put a team away when you make plays like that as well. And it was also great to see Utah be so effective on offense of taking those turnovers and turning them into points because how often throughout the game do you – a lot of games are you like, oh, the defense got a turnover, but then the offense couldn't capitalize it. Just in general of football, that's just something that happens with a lot of teams. And that was not something that Utah dealt with as well. So it was a fantastic win as you highlighted, Brian, and just a great momentum booster to, as we've been talking about for weeks now on this podcast, just you keep building up levels and levels. And you're at the next one now with this UCLA team. Got a huge win versus Washington. We talked about the challenge that DTR pre presents, but what do you think about this game, Brian? And, um, I mean, what the line's at three right now? I believe, yes. And and that's just kind of like a, like a home team standard. Um and, and I think it's for good reason. Like UCLA is a good football team. And I know people love to knock on Chip Kelly. Uh, some of it is well-deserved because Chip's just kind of uh, arrogant. Like, yes. you know, and, and and he hit some bumpy roads going into the NFL. But that doesn't mean that he still can't coach, right? Um, you know, I, and Chip's one of my favorite guys because <laughs> – sometimes he can hit the nail on the head so well you know i'll never forget i believe it was uh uh one of the la times reporters uh i think it was ben bolsh or something like that asked him about you know everything with going to the big 10 and, and all that stuff and chip responded he's like i'm just have, trying to have a good tuesday um and that's one thing that i do love about chip is he always keeps things in perspective in terms of what matters most to him and uh you know, I, I think you're starting to see that really seep into the culture with UCLA and, and their program. And um, this is going to be, I hate the term, uh, so a Top Gun style dogfight, right? Where, where you're going to see a lot of high powered, you know, mm -hmm. high caliber, expensive equipment going at each other, right? Like, like these are two programs that have really um, built themselves into something you know strong and 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 developed and everything like that and i think there's some unique matchups you know in, in in terms of like 
Utah claims that they have the best TEs in the country. UCLA claims they have some of the best tight ends in the country. You know, you've got two very uh, elite quarterbacks, but for different reasons. You know, I think Kim mm-hmm. Rising is a little bit more of an intangibles guy, whereas DTR, we talked about the physical. Very abilities. different runners of the football as well. Yeah, and 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 Zach Charbonnet is an elite running back. You know, I think he's the best in the conference. You know, I know Utah fans are, love Tavion Thomas, and I think this is a great weekend for Tavion to really take things by the horns, get your stuff done, take care of your business. You know, don't be so quick to shun accountability for that kind of stuff and go out and set the tone. You know, prove yourself in a game that both for your future and at Utah and for your future as a player in the NFL someday means a lot because if you're going up, you know, head to head against Charbonnet, you need to prove yourself. And so this is very much a prove it game. I think for Utah in a lot of ways, especially as you're going into a big matchup back at home in a week against USC. And then, you know, two weeks down the road against Washington state. It's been a slow couple weeks for Tavion as well. So I think with that offensive line getting going more, it sounds like Coach Witt accepts him to get more carries this week as he's going to be shaping up for a bigger role as well. So it's going to be fun to see if he and this Utah offense are able to stand to test because, look, Utah's had UCLA's number in the past, but in this UCLA team, they know that. And I think they're really fired up and ready to go. And this is going to be a fantastic matchup that we are just starting to break down on Locked On Ute. So, Brian, appreciate you always as joining us. Anything else you wanted to add? Uh, just that I love working with you and hanging out with you here on the pod. So thanks for no, having me every single well, week. Brother. And, uh, you know, if, if people aren't subscribing at the YouTube channel, I just have to wonder, like, it's trick-or-treat season that, uh, like, go go hand out a treat, subscribe on the YouTube channel, or, uh, you know, make me do a trick, and, and we'll get it either way. Yeah, <laughs> I would appreciate it as well. And speaking of treats as well, if you guys aren't following at Brown Bear at SLC, what are you doing? Missing some fantastic <laughs> breakdowns of Utah football, whether it's on the film as well as some great Twitter content as well. So make sure you guys keep it tuned to Brian's feed for all of his great content he has coming up as well as keep it here on Locked On Utes. But if you are in the market for a second listen every day, the Locked On Pac-12 podcast hosted by Spencer McLaughlin is the place for you. He does a great job with all of the analysts that we have on the Locked On Network, breaking down the conference fun game recaps from the past weekend as as well as previewing some fun upcoming matches for this weekend, including one of the one great one, obviously Utah versus UCLA, which we are going to be hitting on all week long. So make sure you guys keep it here on locked on Utes. but that's going to do it for today's episode. So we'll see you tomorrow.